With Hugh Freeze flipping the roster, the Auburn Tigers are still inside the blue chip ratio. What does that mean? We discuss on today's Locked on Auburn. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us, as he does most Fridays, for a little Ferg Friday action, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. And Ferg, you put out a great newsletter, uh, I guess it was either earlier this week or late last week, about Auburn still being in the blue chip ratio. So for folks who are unaware of what the blue chip ratio is, kind of give us uh explain like I'm five type thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh blue chip ratio was invented by Bud Elliott when he was at SB Nation now at 247. It's basically a measurement of how much talent a team needs on their roster in order to win a national championship. And it's a very simple formula. It's not a perfect formula by any means and I'll explain yeah. kind of why in a little bit, but it's basically in the last four recruiting classes that you brought in uh, are more or half of or more, 50% or more of your guys that you're bringing in, five stars or four stars, a.k.a. blue chips, in the 247 composite, more than you get three stars and two stars. So basically, if your roster, what you're bringing in through the high school ranks, is more blue chips than not, you have enough talent to win a national championship. And that's because every national champion in the championship game era has met that criteria. There have been teams that have come close. TCU last year, obviously, making it to the title game. Oregon a few years back against Ohio State. Oregon against Auburn. In fact, Auburn's probably the closest team to not being in the blue chip ratio in 2010 right. uh, to, to win it all. But it's it's the measurement that you have to have. And so it's basically a, a, a group of the elite recruiters in college football. Every year there's anywhere between 12, 15, 16 um, you know, uh, uh, teams that are in that mix. And it doesn't say that you're going to have a great season. It doesn't guarantee anything. It just says, hey, if things go your way, you know that you have enough talent and depth. That's the big thing. It's quality depth needed to win it all. It changes a little bit in the in the transfer portal era, uh, but it is it is kind of the measurement to say, hey, do you have enough to make it happen um, and, and have a chance of winning a national title? So don't pick anybody to win a national title uh, that's outside of this because so far, and it's it's been you know over 20 years now, it, it hasn't yeah. worked out. Yeah, so for for the camp that says stars don't matter, I mean, it's not everything, but they right. definitely do. They definitely do matter. Four stars are good. Five stars have the chance to be really, really good. And three stars, you, you got to develop. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of it if you're going to try to win a national championship. How does this change with the transfer portal? Because do they now rate, like if you're a four-star transfer, but you were a three-star coming out of high school, how does that play into it? Yeah, there's still a research in that because I think the, one of the things that Bud did and when he came up with this back in, I think it was 2011 or 2012 was when he first had it, he had years and years of NFL draft data and and yeah. like to kind of say, okay, this is what they value. Transfers are a different story at this point, but what you can see is how much attrition affects a roster. So basically the transfer portal rarely helps a team in the blue chip ratio and mostly only hurts them. You, you, you don't usually see a team go up when you take transfers out of the – or into the equation because most of the time you're getting these four and five star guys, they don't play, and now it's easier for them to go jump somewhere else, right? And Auburn obviously is a key is a key factor in that. They have recruited at a top 
you know, a top 15 level on average over the last four cycles. But, I mean, there's a bulk of several of these last few classes for Auburn that are just not there anymore. Um, and so if you take transfers out of the equation, or I'm sorry, into the equation, take transfers out, put what you have in, you're under the blue chip ratio if you're Auburn. And so what that means for 2023 is basically this. This team got transfers that can help them win right now. Like yeah. they had to flip this roster and get guys that can play right away. Um, but this is not a team that's got that championship quality talent that you would imagine a national title contender would have. doesn't mean they can't have a good season uh, by any means. And, and we've seen gr- uh, teams have great seasons without hitting this point. But it is just when you compare it to like what 2017 Auburn was, 2013 Auburn was, you know, 2010 Auburn even, those are teams that, you know, were firmly in that range. And so for what that what that means for Auburn is this. Look, you did what you needed to do this year. And honestly, what Hugh Freeze and this staff did in December just to bring the blue chips. They, I mean, if they wouldn't have made that haul that they got with the with the Keldrick Fox and and you know the, the Kay and Lees and those guys, yeah, they, they would be out of yeah, they yeah. would be out of the ratio right now. Um, right. but what this means moving forward is this you have to continue to flip your roster and 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 get that know that you can't build a championship contender on transfers alone. Mm-hmm. What you've got to do is it's got to be through high school recruiting. And the point of my newsletter was and Free said this back when we were at the Senior Bowl back in February. He's like, hey, we know that the that the 24 and 25 classes are what's going to define the success of this tenure. Uh, and if you look at Auburn's 2024 class, still small right now, but you look at it, most of those guys are consensus blue chip players. You've got to keep bringing in the, those guys like that. That's, that's what it takes. You'll take three stars that fit, three stars that fit your scheme, fit your – uh, program fit your culture. You'll take them, run with them. You can even develop those guys to be NFL players. Auburn did that a lot during the Malzahn era. But what you want to do is you want to build that quality depth with guys that are you know high quality uh, guys coming out of high school. Because you were saying Zach, like stars don't matter. That's a thing that people say. Yeah. Here's what I like to say about stars: stars matter on a macro level more than a micro level. And when mm-hmm. that means five stars will bust. There's always five stars that are going to bust. You've probably sitting here thinking of four or five right now that, that come to mind. Sure. You can think of three stars and two stars who jump up and make it. But on a macro level, the teams that win the most are the ones who bring in the most four and five stars and so on and so forth. If you go look at the newsletter, I mean, blue chip ratios, if you're in the 70% or above, that's guaranteeing you about 11 or 12 wins a year. I mean, that's, and, and- that's what gets you there. And look, Auburn's had a bad run of five stars, right? I mean, like Calvin Ashley, Byron Cowart. I mean, it it stinks. You know, like Owen Papo was good, but he wasn't as good as we kind of thought he would be. And I don't think that's entirely his fault. And that's a discussion for another day. But like, we've had a bit of a bad run with these guys. Even like, I think Rock Thomas was a five star, wasn't he? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, and Bo Bo was too. And obviously, the Bo that played last year at Oregon looked like a five star. Yeah. Yeah. It was a completely different story, you know. Uh, at Auburn, just because again of di- of different factors, I think the same thing with Owen. Owen with injuries, I think you know a fully healthy Owen for for three four years. I mean, who who knows what that could look like? Yeah. Also, not fully convinced that we used him correctly, but once again, discussion for a different day. Uh, sure. You know, ironically, uh, the only player that's in Auburn's twenty twenty four class that I don't think will end up being a blue chip player because Bryce Kane's a three star right now. I, I think everybody believes he will be a four star when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Is Martavius Collins, who was committed to Alabama, and yep. so it, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of irony there. Well, I mean, yeah, Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State they take threes every year, and that's the thing is like if they look at a three, they th- they see something really special in those guys that they feel a need, they fit what yeah. they want. They there's a style style uh, you know clicking there or something like that. So yeah, you always want to take them. 
Right. I mean, you look at this last class for Auburn, uh, you know, you would love to you'd love to have Kay and Lee. You love to have those guys, uh, the Sylvester Smiths like, yeah, it had a really good run of those guys. They flipped. You'll love having a J.C. Hart as well, because, you know, those kind of guys, local guys, hardworking dudes are going to be able you know, physically there just, you know, may have fallen under the radar a little bit just because, you know, in the case of a guy like J.C. played 1A football. Uh, you know, and and didn't play on the you know a bigger stage to get noticed or you right. know get compared to some of the better recruits. Yep, and don't forget baby goat Hank Brown. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how he develops. But all right, so uh, the offensive line is it set, or will there still be position battles over summer and fall? That coming up on today's Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I was working out earlier this morning. In normal gym shorts, I'm walking across the gym, and an everydayer comes up to me. His name was Chris, and he's like, where are your bird dogs, Zach? Where are your bird dogs? I felt exposed. He called me out. But he knows that bird dogs, you can wear them everywhere because he's heard me talk and say such good things about them. Uh, I should have worn my bird dogs to the gym, but sadly, Chris, they were um, they were dirty. So uh, bird dogs do just about everything, but they do get dirty. You still have to wash them like normal shorts. But seriously, uh, they they look like uh, very fancy khaki shorts, but they've got this stretch fiber. They're very thin. They dry off quickly if they get wet. You can do anything in them. You can work out of them. They've got these liners. They're incredible. So head over and get yourself a pair of them today. Birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you do that and go to that URL, they will fr- uh, apply a free Yeti-style tumbler to your order. Once again, that is birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, our guest. So when we left spring, it felt like we were pretty solid on the offensive line in three of the five spots. And you know the three transfers that came in, left tackle Dylan Wade, center Avery Jones, right tackle was Gunner blanking Britton. Gunner Britton. Thank you. And so it, it seemed like there was in a rotation with the guard spots where mm-hmm. we saw some Jeremiah Wright. We saw a lot of Tate Johnson. We saw some Connor Lou when Tate Johnson was hurt. And the roster didn't really change a whole lot on the offensive line post-spring, with the exception of you go out and get Jaden Muskrat, a guy who played traditionally more tackle than guard at Tulsa. Um, so my question to you is, it are, what do the position battles look like right now? Are there position battles or is Muskrat just a backup tackle? I, I think both guard spots are going to be up for grabs. I feel like the two tackle spots and the center spots, like you said, coming out of spring, I mean, it, barring injury, those are your three guys there. Sure. Right. Um, I think I think a thing with Jeremiah Wright is if he'd have been fully healthy in the spring, maybe he'd have gone a little further into kind of locking down one of those spots. If I had to pick today, I would think that Jeremiah Wright starts at one of the guard spots for Auburn this season okay. i think Jaden muskrat though is is a shot it has a real shot to start a guard for auburn this year talking to uh talking to philip montgomery um uh you know, i guess that was a couple months ago or last month um he said yeah he's a guy that we feel like can give us something on the inside and, and he's got some of that edge he is more guard size than tackle size especially when you look at the sec right um he kind of plays more like a like his his style is is it fits guard as much as it does at tackle um so yeah i think there's a he could be a swing guy for you if he's not a starter and kind of be that you know that that guy that can help you out at guard and tackle. But if you look at the the tackle spots, like too tall Miller, you know is going to be probably somebody that is going to be the next man up at tackle, depending on what side it is. You could probably use Muskrat there if you don't have it. But if Muskrat comes out and it's like, hey, this dude's played uh, 
a good amount of uh, of FBS football. He started in this system before. We feel like he's he's one of the five best guys. They'll find a way to put him there. And then I think that would kind of give you some more flexibility for the future. See what you got in Tate Johnson is trying to develop mm-hmm. him as maybe a, a guard for the next wave. Uh, and then, you know, I think Connor Lou could end up being a guy that you see some this year. Um, right. I, I think the, the comp I keep going back to, not – stylistically or, or just kind of the, the, you know, the makeup of him, but just kind of the way people are talking about him coming in as a true freshman. Reminds me a lot when Braden Smith came to Auburn. Um, when he was a freshman, there really wasn't a starting spot for him. It was hard to start a true freshman, but they were like, man, we still got to find a way to get this dude some reps. Like, cause we think he's good enough to play right now. And we think that's sure. going to be valuable. Obviously it turned out to be great for Braden's future. Is that more than the four game red shirt limit? I don't know. But I do know that Connor Lou is going to probably end up being your second best bet um, if somebody goes down on the interior, um, mm-hmm. and whether that at all three center, spots, which yeah. is unique, yeah, yeah, and and if you can play, you can play, and that's the that's the thing with him is that you know I I think Auburn would be much more comfortable not trusting a true freshman to be a starter on the offensive line. It can happen. LSU LSU started two true freshmen last year and won the SEC West with them. Um, sure, but you don't want to have to do that if you you know if 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 you could avoid it. I think going and getting these transfers kind of helped them bridge that gap. Um, so, yeah, that right about way of saying, I think both those guard spots are going to be up for grabs uh, in, in the fall, and I, I wouldn't rule I wouldn't rule any of those competitors out for it. It'll just be a matter of who fits that best five. Who's the best five together, mm-hmm. with, with, yeah, I guess, with those those three that we mentioned earlier. Are we calling Xavier Miller too tall Miller? Is that what he goes by? That's his nickname. That's his hey, nickname, and that's – It's uh, that. That's Freeze. awesome. Freeze has called him that pretty much every time he's referred to. I don't think I've, I've just, heard him. I've missed that. That's awesome. I don't think I've heard him say Isavian. Like, or he might have like early on, but it's always too tall with him. Too tall. I love and, that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's 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 something you need to keep keep an eye on for for true with him. And I think Juco got multiple years of eligibility remaining. Um, you know, it, it'd be very very helpful if if Auburn can find a way to get him on the field some this year, and then next year when those tackles are gone, turning loose. Yeah, I mean, they brought in so many transfers. All of a sudden, now you kind of look a year out, and you know, Dylan Wade could come back, which maybe yeah. he will, maybe he won't. I, I think hope he's hoping he has a good enough season to go pro. We'll see. But I think he's like, got a good chance. Yeah, I do too. Like Connor Liu is your starting center next year. Tate Johnson's got a solid chance to play guard next year, and then Too Tall and Jaden Muskrat. I mean, like you've got dudes all of a sudden where it's like, okay, finally yeah. we're not going to have to like duct tape the offensive line every year. Like this, you're starting to kind of see a little bit of a plan come together. I believe Jeremiah Wright would still have eligibility left. I as think well. so. Yeah. yeah, I think so he does. It would be it, you'd be in a good spot, and then you have to start kind of replenish is what we we're going back to earlier with the blue chip ratio. You got to start replenishing it with those fresh, and they got some of those guys coming in, um, and. You got to keep developing up and, and building them up moving forward, and I think that's the thing is, you know, every coach has their own opinion on what they want to do uh, in recruiting each year, what they want to have, how many they want to carry. But right. I've all I've always thought, and I think now it's a little bit easier to do when you're in the transfer portal era. Um, if you can bring in, if you have a pretty balanced roster and you can bring in the equivalent of an offensive line pretty much every cycle, and just keep rolling it. Um, you, you you'll be in a good shape, good shape moving forward. So I think that's do that, build it out with more guys that are you know four and five star kind of talent out of high school. I think is the best case scenario to rebuild this offensive line because it's going to be a multi year process. We knew that right. it was a multi year fall. Uh, it was a whole. It took it took you years to dig this hole. It's going to take you even more years to get out of it. But you know you yeah. knew that coming in. You're allowed to get five offensive linemen every year. Do, did we know that before? 
<laughs> well, at one you point it was nine in one off season. Yeah, it was. Uh, at one point, it was like, could you get more than two? Uh, it was 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 the real question. That's just wild that that went on for so long, and it wasn't that long ago. I talked to somebody that was on that staff, and I'm like, why couldn't y'all get offensive linemen? And they were like, you know, we put too much of an emphasis on like one through four, and we probably should have put an emphasis on like one through ten. And I'm like, yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? That's the like, one position you can't can't afford not to have depth in because that is a position you're – I mean, you think about the offensive line and defensive line. You think about the violence on every single snap that they have yeah. to go through and just the toll that it puts on them. Right. Like, guys are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they just are. And so that's the one position you don't want to be caught lacking at. However, and, and again, and it's something that I always point out when I talk about offensive line, is it's, it's such a unique position group. In a number of ways. One, it's the hardest to develop. It's the hardest to um, evaluate. Uh, number two, it's it's one where everybody's got to work together. If one guy screws up, everything looks bad. Mm-hmm. And number three, it's the only position group on offense where you have to be doing your job on every single player or else it doesn't work. That's right. If you're every other spot on the field. If I'm a wide receiver, it's like, well, I, I probably should be busting my tail on run blocking. But if I'm not, it's not going to bu- it's not going to break the play. Not the case of offensive line. Offensive no, you got to be perfect. Yeah. Even the quarterback, you know, even all the stuff he's got to do pre-snap. Sometimes you're just handing the ball off and letting the running back do his thing. Like, right. offensive line's got to be on their game every time. And and so it's to be that lacking there for as long as Auburn did. That's it's why they're in the position that they're in. Yep, yep. All right, Justin Ferguson. I believe Auburn's defensive backs, specifically the corners, are being ridiculously overlooked. We discussed yes. in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. All right, Ferg, it's, it's magazine season, right? And as all these preseason magazines continue to come out, most of them have like unit rankings, right? Like top cornerbacks yeah. or top offensive linemen or whatever. And like, I don't know how many Auburn deserves to be like top 20 in. Like, I really don't know how many units like you feel good about on this team uh, other than running back and defensive backs, specifically corners. And I'm just not seeing any Auburn corners ranked highly, and I just think it's crap. I don't think it makes any sense at all. I mean, you're looking at DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett, two guys that the Senior Bowl was bummed that they were returning to school. Like, they wanted both of those guys, and NFL teams were ready to draft both of those guys. And they both came back for another year. If that happened anywhere else, there'd be so much buzz around them as a tandem, but we're just not getting that here, and I don't really get why. Yeah, I wrote about this earlier this week at The Observer. Uh, If you look at DJ James, you can make the argument that he is the best returning corner in the SEC this year. And if you look at uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, there's a good argument that he's a top six, seven, eight guy in the league. Combo-wise, you don't get that. Um, If you look at opponent completion percentage, the only team in college football that returns two guys that had uh, numbers as good as Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James last year is Toledo. And no disrespect to Toledo, but they play in the MAC. Um, right. This You could make an argument, statistically, you could make an argument that the best returning cornerback duo in college football is at Auburn. And I know statistically, like anybody can watch DJ James last season and say he's got it. There's some Auburn fans that I've seen that are a little lower on Nehemiah Pritchett, and I think some of that is kind of carryover from when he was playing more of the that slot corner, that nickel spot, and, he, and it wasn't quite as good of a fit. Statistically, on the outside, he has been stronger these last couple of seasons. Last year, he was a good corner. Not right. an elite corner, but he's a very good corner. 
and, and I think when you look at his numbers, uh, they, they deserve a lot of respect. Look, Auburn had a top 30 pass defense last year. Like, yeah. I think people for, like overlook how good that pass defense was last season. And so when you bring your top two corners back from that, yeah, you're absolutely being overlooked. Um, was D, Were D.A. James and Nehemiah Pritchett, you know, five stars coming out of high school? No. Uh, but statistically, they delivered. And I think part of it really, Zach, I think part of it is just the fact that Auburn struggled last year. And so mm-hmm. you're looking at Auburn and it's like, yeah, they're bringing it back. But, man, they went five and seven last year. Yes, but they didn't go five and seven because their pass defense was getting torched every week. Um, right. There were a couple of games that were rough, but for the most part, you know they they held a, they held their own and, and did as well as you probably would expect uh, a team that struggled as much as Auburn did last year in a modern SEC to play on on the back end. Now I don't know if they're going to perform that from like a statistical output because I'm concerned about the pass rush this season for the exactly. Tigers. Yeah, that's a good point. And so you know. The pass defense may get worse from a year ago, but I do think they'll have to play less snaps than a year ago because I, I just trust the offense is going to be able to sustain more drives and you know have less three and outs. We think and maybe the coaching staff will actually rotate guys more because that's something that the the previous staff just did not do on the defensive side uh, at, yeah. at all three levels. Yeah, I mean there are games where they played nineteen defenders, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, what in the world? You get and to so, an, you get to a game, you've only played three inside linebackers, and you're like, how? Like how? You're you're yeah. you're playing. This is it's twenty twenty three. That this is impossible. Right. Yeah. And so you know the guys behind him, Kane Lee. You know he's certainly going to have a role. JD Rim certainly going to have a role. You know yeah. we'll see who if some other true freshmen that maybe weren't here in spring could possibly step up and get a bigger role. But I mean, I, I just love this cornerback room. And I just, I hate that they're not getting the love that they deserve. And I've talked to both of them and, um, you know, just kind of chit chatting with them throughout the off season. And like, they, I think they kind of like it because both of these guys like aren't vocal dudes like DJ and Nehemiah, like they do not talk a lot. In fact, yeah, usually DBs are great. Yeah. yeah, They're not chippy. Yeah. Yeah. And Nehemiah said he's trying to, that he's trying to be more vocal as like a leader because he's like, you know, the guy back there, which makes sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because the guy before them was Roger, and Roger didn't talk that much either, except for the Iron Bowl, which was awesome. I love that. And it seemed like it fired people up. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, I, I just, they're not getting the love. And, and I think it's disrespectful. And so I want to make sure it's very clear that they are getting love from this platform. That is yeah. all. It's statistically, I mean, they're there. And I know yeah. not everybody will dig into like PFF numbers and stuff like that, like others will, but like that, that is exactly. I mean, the numbers are there. Their coverage numbers are great. Um, you know, downfield coverage, they were two of the best guys in the SEC last season. Like, right. you, you you just need to. And then I, I think on top of that, too, Keontae Scott at nickel, you got your safeties. Um, you know, I, I thought I, I wrote about it not too long ago. Jalen Simpson, his his play went up. Like, he, he played some of the best ball of his career when they moved him back to safety. It was just such a good fit for him. Yeah, you know Zion Puckett back there. You've got Donovan Coffin. Like there, there's just a number of guys out there. That secondary, there's so much turnover and so much transition all across this roster. And Auburn had some of that last year with their secondary. This year, though, they've got to kind of keep it calm. You, you have, uh, you know, you have Zach Etheridge back. You have a guy who's at least familiar with the program and crime dog in as well. That secondary should be a foundation of what you got. Big questions about how Auburn's going to rush the passer. Big questions if they're going to be able to rebuild that run defense that was so rough last year. Uh, but that, the, the secondary, I mean, that this is as good of a spot as you could you could expect a secondary to be coming in, especially considering the fact you've had back-to-back losing seasons. 
Did Donovan Kaufman lose playing time this spring? I I I don't I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it like, seems it, like he was like always with the twos, which surprised me a little bit. It was bit. just kind of moving in and out. And I and I wondered, you know, he the beginning of uh spring spring ball, Etheridge, Zach Etheridge said he was one A and one B. Uh it was Keontae and Donovan at star. And I and I do wonder that some of that was hey, star is different in this defense than the nickel has been in the past defenses. So maybe get more reps and reps there. Not as yeah. much at safety, just kind of uh, plug and play there. It's going to be very interesting to see kind of where he fits in the table because I think you know, he is a he is a guy that has played a good bit of football in the SEC at this point, and uh, it can be very valuable. There's just a lot of depth back there. There's a lot of right. depth. And then you see that next wave coming in. We Again, going back to the blue chip ratio, how many of those guys were blue chips coming out of high school in that safety in that cornerback room? Um, the future's bright for that group, and mm-hmm. it's not surprising. I think much like running – you mentioned it earlier, running back and defensive back, those are the two position groups you feel really, really rock solid about for Auburn this year. Who are the two coaches there? Cadillac Williams, Zach Etheridge, the guys who have been carrying the—I mean, they've been—they've yeah. been, been carrying the torch for Auburn over the last few years, and um, it—you know—that's why Hugh Freeze, like, it was the easiest to see, it was wide open slam dunks to keep both of those guys on staff, and and I think Auburn's going to reap the benefits from it for years to come. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Justin Ferguson. How can people check out everything going on at the Auburn Observer and give you some love? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. We've got newsletters coming out uh, on Auburn football, and men's basketball. Uh, or a podcast pretty much every day of the week. Um, so you can sign up there at $6 a month or $60 a year for a full subscription. We email everything out to you most weekday mornings at 6 a.m. Central Time. And uh, yeah, mailbag up today. Uh, had a fun podcast today as well where we talked about some what-ifs uh, in Auburn history uh, on the uh, on the uh, uh, the eve of, I guess, we when we recorded this, uh, when we recorded this podcast, it will be the night of the NBA draft and Talk about Scoot Henderson. What if he would have come to Auburn? And then that kind of launches into some other what ifs, uh, including some that I hadn't even thought of. Uh, so you can check that out. Awesome. Yeah, be sure to check it out. AuburnObserver.com. You can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. And we will see you on Monday. This has been Locked on Auburn.